Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm pleased to present part three of our three-part interview with P.J. Manny talking about her book, Identity. Let's listen. In terms of conscience, uh, there is, interestingly, I had a very Dumas story, and it started to unwind. So it'll be more conceptually Dumas, then each book becomes less and less Dumas. Like, Revolution is very Count of Monte Cristo. And Identity definitely has Three Musketeers, no question. Um, And Conscience, I can actually say, because you'll have no idea actually where I'm going with it, but it's the D'Artagnan romances weren't just um, The Three Musketeers. There were also sequels to The Three Musketeers. And the Man in the Iron Mask, for example. Exactly, that was one of them. And The Man in the Iron Mask is actually a small part of a bigger sequel, which is very interesting. We, we've reduced down that story, but it's because it's the best story out yeah. of all the, the sequels. It's like the sub-story of The Man in the Iron Mask is fantastic. So I'm doing The Man in the Iron Mask, but the book is taking me down lots of different avenues that I didn't think I was going. Some of that is because of our present history. Some of that is because, I don't know, it just felt right. So there'll be some aspects of Man in the Iron Mask that, that Dumas fans will go, ah, ha, ha, I saw what you did there. Um, <laughs> but, but nowhere near as... as um, literal as, let's say, revolution. And that's fine. You know what? Keep it subtle so when we spot it, we, we feel that much prouder of ourselves, right? When there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anymore. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I will say that it, it does grow the technology even more, and we find out even more things that can be done with, with a digital personality. Uh, and it'll be even more trippy. All right. So well, there you go. It's definitely been well, a trippy, ask, uh, trippy ride so far. Go ahead, Stephen. I was going to ask, uh, the title Conscience, uh, uh, is the C-O-N in parentheses? Yes, so the, the okay. implication in con science. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and we Revolution. didn't mention, of course, for identity, it's id. 
entity. Id entity or or just ID entity. Oh, oh, okay. Either way, I was reading either way because I'm thinking you could. It's, it, it, <laughs> wow, the sex spots and the and the, the sex scene really got to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the sex. There's a whole you know, rage and violence and the, the That's true. Sex. Actually, that's actually really true. You're you're absolutely right. There's a lot of id in identity. Yeah, um, I, I thought I, I was thinking, it was, but now I see, now I get it. It's the id entity. Yeah, absolutely. That too, of course, in a huge way. Right. But, so so you've got all kinds of meanings, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely the themes of the titles relate to the stories very much so. Um, and ultimately, with conscience, it's, it's about conscience. It's about what happens when you have to deal with science that you might not like. Uh, and how, hopefully, I do hope to end conscience on an up note, uh, I certainly know I'm planning on and, and <laughs> uh, that. And, and this is the other thing that a lot of my work and my mission behind my work is in whether it's nonfiction or fiction and speaking and future stuff is trying to make people understand don't be afraid because the, actually the most dangerous thing we could be is afraid of the technology happening around us because that creates a conflict that doesn't end well for either side. And I want people to understand it's not about being afraid. It's about going with it, but feeling that you have some power and control over the choices that are made. And that's super important to me, that we feel that as technology moves forward, that we get to have a say, that there is a, a kind of feedback, a democratic process, if you will. Um, right that addresses the development of technology with the needs of the people using it. Well, the thing is, if you're afraid, then someone else will decide. That's right. right. That's it's not right. that no decision will be made. It's that someone else, someone else will make it. You, you, t- you remove your agency from the equation as soon as you, as soon as you get afraid. Because being afraid, all you can do is avoid it. Right? All you can do is pretend like somehow you can you can exist other than other than where the technology is whereas if we can be open but skeptical but confident right i mean it's it's a complex set of behaviors and attitudes that we have to adopt and, and absolutely and that's what comes through in the books too that you know it's it's there's there's no just one you know tech's going to solve all our problems let's you know let's get on the horse nor is it Oh, tech's going to kill us. It's going to wipe us out. I mean, it's a mixed bag, you know. It's a, it's a mixed bag becoming the first uploaded uh, post-human intelligence, right? There's, you know, there's, technology's there's... always been a mixed bag, hasn't it? I mean, that's yeah, just, yeah. Two steps forward, one step back, always. Always, and that that really is the key. That understanding that it can bring enormous bounty, and it also can be dreadfully harmful. But if you step away from it and pretend it doesn't exist then it will, only the bad might happen. I mean, this is why I I truly believe that we have to, as a a global civilization, engage with our technology and make decisions. And every culture is going to do it a little differently. You know, certainly, you know, the way American culture reacts to technology is different than the way Chinese culture reacts to technology. Uh, And those are deep cultural roots in how we were formed you know, everything from, you know, 
religion and and uh, ethnic stories and all of that. You know, it 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 has so much to do with our culture. But at a certain point, we're all just human. Right. <laughs> That's true. And you know, and nobody wants to see a killer robot walking down the street. That would be bad. <laughs> So exactly. uh, we're all right. agreed. Yes. Right. So, so this is, the, you know, a, adoption can be different. Uh, you know, the Japanese have no fear of robots. The West, it, right. it's the West that has a fear of robots. It's not the East, interestingly. Um, and that has a lot to do with actually religion, Shinto, and, and you know, Kami and in, in the, the spirit inside of each animate and inanimate object. Um, if an inanimate object has Kami spirit, then you know, it's not to be afraid. You right. take it as it is, and then you deal with it from there. And, you know, that's a very different framework from uh, Western societies. So, you know, we do have different the approaches. Is our, our, our archetype is the golem, right? I mean, that's yeah, well, I certainly use it in my books. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, so, you know, so we have our own stories and our own traditions that, that guide our decisions. What we need to start making is, in fact, knowledgeable, educated, informed decisions. That is the only way we're going to be able to make good decisions and the only way we're going to be able to deal with all the technology, the complexity that we have unleashed on top of the complexity we're actually just beginning to understand that was always there. It was always under the surface of our reality. But, you know, humans are only equipped with enough to survive in terms of our mental capacity to understand reality. As long as we survive and reproduce and take care of the next generation and keep the the species going, we really don't need to know much more than that, right? We don't have to see better or hear better or or cognate faster or any of that. but we're, and we're starting only now with information to understand how complex reality actually is. Well, it's going to get a hell of a lot more complex on top of that, and we better keep up. We got to try to keep up, and we're we're starting at an extreme disadvantage. I I can't think of the the guy's name, but he's a neuroscientist who's been publishing lately. It, it, the story, the first one I saw was in I think the Atlantic, and it was called the end of reality or the death of reality or something like that. But basically, it was that idea that. We're just not equipped. We were never designed to process reality. We were designed to reproduce and eat and you know, do, do, do the things we do. Reality would be a great bonus, but it would have no actual survival benefit to the, to the organism that, that evolved. Therefore, we don't have it. So when we're trying to do everything you just said, it's like basically we're running it on a platform that was never set up for it to begin with. We, we were never designed for reality, and it's a... It, it's a it's a hard adjustment to make, I think. And, and it's actually funny because I've had a few people say to me over the years, why do you have Buddhism in the books? And it's like, well, actually, that is the world's oldest brain technology, uh, using things like meditation to discover more reality. And the idea that there is no, you know, what you see is an illusion. There's more behind it. And by really keeping an open mind, there's the possibility of a greater sense of reality. Now, that technology has been around for thousands of years as really just a set of precepts and practices to try to attempt to see the world more clearly. Um, But it's just a technology. 
is a tool. And we're designing brain technologies now that will do potentially similar things, which is why I link the idea of, of both kinds of enlightenment, that there's you know, the kind of enlightenment that someone gets through meditating for 25 years and <laughs> uh, becoming a, you know, a monk, and there's the kind of enlightenment that, that someone will get with uh, some brain surgery. Yeah, you take a pill, right? Or you flip right, you take a pill, or you, or you, you know, or you get a, you know, a um, uh, neural lace, or whatever, and that's going to change how we see the world profoundly, profoundly. Well, I like what you did there because I, I tried to articulate something a minute ago. That whole thing about you got to be sort of confident but open but skeptical but you know this complex mix of things that you have to be at the same time but buddhist kind of sums it up really i mean when you think about what what buddhism teaches it it kind of gives you that whole like middle way balance between those those offsetting positions and well the dalai lama has always said if science disproves you know if scientific uh discovery disproves something in buddhism then he's going with the science yeah i I love that in that interview with carl sagan he said that and then he paused for a moment and he said, but I think you'll find reincarnation very hard to disprove. Yeah, exactly. But to be fair, a lot of what he said about how the brain works from a Buddhist perspective is in fact how we've discovered the brain actually works. And the more right. you know, fMRI studies we do looking at practitioners, the more we realize, hold on a second, their brains are actually different, and they are actually perceiving reality differently than we are. Hmm, right. there's something to this. And I, you know, I just think that there's, uh, it, is, it is a technology, it was developed over millennia, and uh, there's something there. Of course, they, like many things, applied an explanation to it that didn't necessarily have a scientific basis, but the irony is that, that it, the science is proving it right. So I, I really do believe that brain-computer interfaces are going to change how we see things, and it's going to be a very big transition. Um, and again, some people will be terrified. Some people will be like, bring it. <laughs> um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. Well, six, six days ago on Futurism.com, they had the story, researchers have linked a human brain to the Internet for the first time ever. So, I mean, it's all happening. It's happening now. This is, you know, we, we think of science fiction as being tales of the future, but you're really writing about the world we live in. You're, you're writing about the world we live in a few days from now. So, well, I, and, you know, and that's the, that's the hardest part of, of doing near-term science fiction like this is that I'm, I'm running in place as fast as I can. Right. Because ultimately, you know, someone someday is going to read Revolution and go, oh, wow, this is a history book. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's and right. that's, you know, I, I really have no choice because this is the path I'm on with this series. But really what I hope they get out of it more is here are the ethical quandaries. What are we going to do about them? Exactly. After we look, after we look at you know in that kind of Michael Crichton esque, oh well, hold on, we have taken DNA out and and we're making stuff, uh, you know, you still have the uh, the ethical quandaries there, and but I do like to think I'm not so much of a technophobe as Michael Crichton was. Well, 
he, he, he had a lot of fun with it, too. That's for sure. You know what? You can't, you can't be as big a technophobe as he was without also just being a geek and way into it, right? I mean, obviously, the man had a, had a real love-hate relationship with technology. Not, not hate. I don't know how you would describe no, it. No, it was hate. He, he was scared of everything. I mean, That's true. He, yeah. you know, he, he, he literally, in many ways, he did in science or near-term science fiction what Stephen King does in horror, and that ah, is he just yeah. took all his fears and threw up on the paper. Uh, <laughs> and, in, you know, look, they're both great at what they did. Phenomenal. Well, they both, I mean, Stephen King they, is one they, they of They both faith. keep you turning the pages, you know. Oh, what? no question. No question. They, 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 uh, they keep you reading. But, you know, for me, it's, it's not all bad. There's good. I just want us to figure out the best path. Well, speaking of uh, turning the pages, uh, we, we need you to uh, get to work on the third one because I'm pretty eager to see what happens next. Although it's not like it's a cliffhanger. These are all complete novels. Everything so far has actually been a complete story. So it's not like, it's not like we're in dreadful suspense. I just want to read the next one. So how long is, you know, what are we talking about? By Christmas? Uh, by, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> it'll be out by, oh boy, would my publisher be happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing you come out fall next year. Okay. Oh, so you're, you're cranking them out now, PJ. I'm huh? trying, baby. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, we're you know I think when we had you on for the first one, uh, PJ, I told you how cinematic uh, a revolution was. I, I I just keep waiting for somebody to pick up the movie rights, right? As my grandmother would say, from your mouth to God's ear. <laughs> so hey, if you're listening, filmmakers, there's still a possibility here. Get moving. Get 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 a you know. Somebody might I think need they're to gonna, do it, so act now. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to want to see the whole trilogy because you want to know where it ends up. Uh, and fair enough. Uh, so I, I better get finished. Yeah, you see what HBO did with Game of Thrones, right? You really want to yeah, restart it yeah. before you start filming it. Okay, well, listen, we can't wait to read the next one. Loved this one. Great talking with you about the book. And, hey, you know, we've actually hit that point in the week if you've got time, we can, uh, we can do a quick geek out together if, uh, if, if you're up for a quick geek out. Love geeking. Stephen, I'm going to turn it over to you. I've, I've been kind of talking over you all night, so uh, this is your oh, geek no, out. No, I, I, what do you got? Hey, I've us? enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, well, I, you know, uh, PJ, you had uh, brought up uh, on, on Facebook uh, 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 Wonder Woman. Uh, I think probably because uh, uh, the DVD and, uh, and Blu-ray was launched this week, and uh, we, we were, you know, just talking, I guess it was, what, about a week or two ago, Phil, just how unbelievably good it was and how we were not expecting. I mean, it was just out of blue, it seemed, it was so good. Uh, I, it's I, like I they took a DC a property about... and they made a good movie out of it. Go figure. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised, but to say the very least. Yeah, absolutely. When it, when it comes, to, you know, I've got, I've got kids, okay, and, uh, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a big geek, so... When it comes to superhero films, it's almost like the tickets are pre-bought for me, right? I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm there, good or bad, rain or shine, right? And um, it's, and I, I just had no great expectation it was going to be that good, and uh, and it just was the, and and central to how good it was was the character. They got her right. They got Wonder Woman right. And uh, so anyway, I, I'm glad you had brought it up. It gave me a chance to kind of geek out a little bit on, on Facebook about it. Well, but what's your, what are your thoughts, PJ? Well, I, you know, the, the thing you saw was actually an Honest Trailers, which I adore. If, if you love movies, Honest Trailers are 
some of the funniest, most delightful pieces of, on YouTube ever. Um, I get and a of kick course, out of those. those are they, they're, they're just fantastic. So, so yep. I posted this honest trailer, and you know, that guy has that fabulous voice. And um, at one point, they're talking about uh, the, he's trying to pronounce the island that the Amazons live on, and he can't pronounce it, and he just says, oh, Visit Xena Warrior Island. <laughs> and I, that just cracked me up because my husband and I went with uh, our kids to see Wonder Woman, and we were just ribbing each other the entire time on the island because, you know, it was so clearly Xena. It was, yeah. it was like 18,000 Xenas. Um, it was fantastic. And, um, but, but what I loved is we really felt like there was a lineage there that, that made us very yeah. happy. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, but I I agree with you completely, Stephen. It was a it was a delight. She was a delight. I found you know could I nitpick? Sure. I mean, Honest Trailers actually clearly the guys at Honest Trailers love the movie, which is very rare for their Honest Trailers. <laughs> right. You know, they usually rake them over the coals, and these are some of the biggest movies of all time. They rake over the coals, and yeah, they caught some stuff, but you could hear the delight in the guy's voice of just like, but it's still a great movie. Right, right. <laughs> um, and and that's exactly how I felt about it. Were there things where I would go? that scene push it that way a little or is that you know like or my favorite was she doesn't know what marriage is she's when when the honest trailer says you know she speaks 150 languages and she doesn't know what marriage is come on (laughs) and uh so there were definitely things like that that you know were played for gags the gag was more was more paramount than the what is referred to by alfred hitchcock as refrigerator logic uh, where you open the refrigerator after you've gone to a movie and you look in and you're looking for a piece of cold chicken to eat and you think to yourself, wait a second, she would have known what the word marriage is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really just thought, exactly like the Honest Trailer guys, were the things I could nitpick, you know, yes, Aries dialogue at the end, no question. I wanted to, you know, as much as I love David Thieler, it's like, come on, guys. Um, but it was delightful. She was delightful. And she's exactly the hero we need right now for a whole host of reasons. She's optimistic. She believes in people. She's, you know, she's not dark. We have dark. We got plenty of dark. And in fact, that's the problem with the DC universe. It's all... They have so overplayed the dark. Oh my God. You know, yeah, Frank Miller was great when he did it, and it was great when, when you know, Nolan made one movie. <laughs> but guys, come on. Um, you well, know, the thing is, yeah. Batman should be dark. You know, it's like it's great to make Batman a dark character, and it's, it, and and it's, it, you know, it's part of the whole world then if you've got batman and superman in the same world then you've got two different ways of looking at the world you've got two interesting characters who who interact with each other in in a different way but now we've got thankfully wonder woman has brought the superman dynamic into the into the dc comics universe because she elicits you know she she displays those characteristics that you just said she believes in people she's optimistic you know she's she's idealistic and the thing i love the best is the arc, without giving too much away about the story, but the, the, the arc of the story is such that her ideals are not only challenged, but 
seriously challenged, right? I mean, it's like she's mistaken about some things. And she's still an idealist in the end. And <laughs> I just loved that. I was like, oh, okay, good. You know, it's like, just like Batman's not going to suddenly become bright and cheerful, right, at the, end of, at, at, at the end of one of the movies, we can be consistent with the character and we can, we can see that these are qualities that are, that are right for her, you know, that, that they're, worth, they're worth preserving. She's not as naive, maybe not as innocent as she was, but she's still idealistic. And I, I just, I, I loved that so much. Absolutely. It, but, you, you know, it's so funny you're talking about Batman can be dark. And, of course, Batman is dark. But you know what? My favorite Batman, Lego Batman. Mine too. That, I, that's the best Batman movie ever made, if you ask me. Uh, well, okay, the Dark Knight and, and, and Lego Batman are And it plays off the darkness tight. so hilariously. It's just, and oh my God, Will Arnett's voice is so good. Um, and it's funny, and it's delightful, and you know the whole Dick Grayson thing is hilarious, and it's really good. But it's it's good in that sense of, you know, we have this wonderful action-packed movie where. Dark stuff happens, right? And and yet, we're able to find the the cathartic apotheosis. The, all the, you know, all those big literary terms you learned in high school. Um, you're you know, and and leave with a big you know with a smile on your face because of the character. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it, it, it's a great movie. I. It's just so much fun, and, and a movie you can sit and watch with little kids. I, my, my kids are younger than yours, Stephen, so I, even Wonder Woman, in the end, after watching it, I decided wasn't, they weren't quite ready for a couple of things that happened in there. You know, I know a lot of people were taking their daughters to see Wonder Woman, but there were, you know, the nerve gas and the uh, – there, yeah, there's yeah. a murder in there that I, well, in, know, in, I another, in another couple of years. Uh, yeah. I didn't want my kids to yeah. see, but I've actually, I, I went ahead and I ordered off Amazon. I got the DVD, because you can't download it. I got the DVD of the Linda Carter series, you know, the, oh. uh, the from the 70s. My kids love that so much. And, you know, I was watching the pilot and the first couple episodes, and, I, I, of course, I watched it when, you know, when I was in high school when it first came on. And it's amazing kind of how similar they really are, that how well they did it back in the 70s, just in terms of, in terms of catching what Charles Moulton, I guess we call him William Marston now, was was trying to was trying to convey about women and about power and about you know goodness, it really it really came through in that original series and 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 it was it's great that it got reiterated in the in the new movie. So I actually I don't know that the series stays good, but the first few episodes of uh, of Wonder Woman in World War II, uh, it's actually worth a look. For, for anyone oh. who wants to really geek out, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 kids love it. Linda, and Linda Carter is, you know, one of the most beautiful women ever walked the planet too. So that doesn't hurt either. So oh, absolutely. Uh, and she was, and 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 I can tell you, a delightful person in real life too. I'm not surprised. I'm well, not. there you go. You know, and and Gal Gadot said she will always be Wonder Woman. So there you go. The tribute yeah. to. Uh, Linda Carter, and they brought Lyle Wagner into the show to play Steve Trevor because they needed someone who was every bit the actor she was. There, there, I had to say something a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was good anyway, you know, that's all I'm saying. It was, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I, rec- I, I recommend, I would say, the pilot and the first. You've got to keep watching until, you know who shows up about six episodes in? It's amazing. Wonder Girl is a character in the show. And do you know who oh plays Wonder Girl? Oh, my God, I forgot. No. Deborah Winger. 
Right, right. Oh, my God, I actually knew that. <laughs> I actually knew that. Because she's like a tiny Linda Carter. She's this beautiful yeah, exactly. woman, but she's yeah, like she tiny. She kind of looks like a little miniature Linda Carter. <laughs> and she's in the Wonder Girl outfit, and it's just like, what? You're watching that, and you go, oh, my. And, and then I remembered, I, I actually remember when Terms of Endearment came out, and I saw who the cast was. I was like, oh, yeah, from Wonder Woman, that uh, yeah, Deborah Winger. So. <laughs> We, we come full circle. Sooner or later, we come full circle. Anyway, uh, great, great geeking out with you. I'm sorry, Stephen, was, was there anything else that you wanted no, to cover on the Geek it, Out this man. evening? I, I just, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, watching it again this weekend with my kids. Uh, just, we had a good time in the theater, and I'm glad it's out on uh, DVD and Blue right now. Yeah, fun well, stuff. Can I tell you that seeing it with my daughter was actually, and she's 18, <laughs> so she can watch all the, the, you know, the scary bits. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Seeing it with my daughter was actually a profound parent-child experience. I bet so. It, I bet so. it was. I mean, we were tearing up. We were hugging each other. Um, you know, we were in a movie theater, and we were grabbing each other's hands. And I can't tell you how much it meant, not just to see the movie, but to see it with my daughter. Because for her, this is one of her formative geek experiences. That's great. Yeah. That's a good one to have, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And with her mom. That's awesome. <laughs> I just remembered something hilarious about, the, uh, about, the, uh, about that video you linked, uh, um, Honest Trailers. The, you know, Chris Pine is moving up the Chris uh, leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Hollywood. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> he, he, apparently, he, uh, you know, he supplanted Chris Evans. You know, he just moves right up the board there. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris Christopherson's at the very bottom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I, I, hilarious. It's just hilarious. The Chris leaderboard. I love it. Well, he's the best Lois Lane ever, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right up there with Margot Kidder. All right. Well, great, great geek out. And, PJ, so great having you with us. Thanks for really making our whole week with us here. Um, best of success with the book. Good luck out there on the science fiction convention circuit and uh, you know check check in with us at some point and let us know how all that's going will you absolutely i'll be at new york comic-con in october so if you're at new york comic-con come see me uh, i've got panels and i maybe actually a couple panels so keep an eye out and otherwise yes i'll let you know what's going on all right anybody awesome. listening get to new york comic-con check it out all right well, thanks again for being with us. Stephen, great talking with you as always. Thank you all for being with us. We're going to be back with three brand new shows next week. And until next time, live to see it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.